So uh, last week we talked about mission, uh, and we talked about sort of, you know, we've talked about vision, we've done that plenty of times, we do that basically every year, but really talking about mission, what we're here for, getting serious about it, and so on, I, and I kind of gave some, some indications about some things last week, uh, and one of the things I talked about was evangelism. Evangelism. One of the, the things that I think that the church has been missing is practical training. The Bible is for training in righteousness, right? Practical training in evangelism. We know the church, generally speaking, is shrinking, not growing in this country. There are places, praise God, where it is growing, uh, in China and certain places in South America, some, some places like that. But here in the United States, we, we do not see the church growing. And one of the reasons I think is, is because we've lost our fervor and we've lost our skill set and what it looks like to evangelize outside of the sort of like, can I tell you about Jesus to like the random person, which is obviously not the way that um, is very effective to evangelize. And so um, in, in, in the sense that we always are looking to do each one to his or her giftings, evangelism is, is a passion um, and a skill set and, and, uh, and a gift that, that Pastor Dave has. Um, it's something that I'm still trying to learn. Uh, and so this morning, I'm, I've asked Pastor Dave to, to share with us, uh, and he's done this before, this is going to be some different stuff, uh, some newer stuff, but to share with us uh, and to train us in practical evangelism that we might grow the body of Christ, doing the Great Commission by going and making disciples. So Pastor Dave, if you'll come up and uh, preach to us this morning. Okay. Evangelism. Tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so nice to have a sermon like that? But you're not so lucky this morning. Here's the thing. People have tried to strategize, plan, figure out ways <clears throat> to win people to Jesus Christ. Notice I use the term win people to Jesus Christ. As I was growing up, they had all different types. In fact, when I was in college, one of the classes I had was purely on evangelism. And we talked about all the different methods, the Roman road, the D. James Kennedy method of evangelism, the four spiritual laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these strategies and ways to witness to people. Most all of them are confrontational in some way or another. That is, you find somebody that you don't know and you start up a conversation. Have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? Well, law one, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. And you go through this little pamphlet with them and have them read a little prayer at the end. Well, the James, D. James, D. James Kennedy method, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And depending on their answer, if they said heaven, you say, why is that? If they said, because I'm a good person, you'd go, Ehh. no, you wouldn't. <laughs> That's not what they said to do. We, we say there's not one that's good. No, not one. And then you lead them through the process of understanding. None of these ideas and concepts are wrong. Because they have had fruit. But the best possible evangelism 
is done by those people who are extremely grateful to God for what he's done in their life. When you have a brand new believer, the enthusiasm they carry is amazing. And they can't help but tell others what has happened, how their burdens have been lifted. They don't say that. That's us old church people. Burdens are lifted. Uh, we, but you know what I'm saying. God changed their life. He came into their life. And they're truly grateful for what he's done. And they can't wait to tell other people. And that takes all ways, shapes, sizes. One of the things, one of my favorite stories is this one guy was about six foot five, six foot six. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but oftentimes you have one really big guy and his friend is always a small guy, you know, about half his size. And that was the case of these two. And this, this six foot five guy got saved and he was really excited about it. He went to tell his friend, he says, you gotta, he says, James, you gotta. You got to accept Jesus. He says, what have you been smoking? Because they did other things in those days. <laughs> and, uh, and he, you know, yesterday you were doing all this with me. What's this got to accept Jesus thing? He says, no, really. He says, my life's changed. God did something unbelievable in my life. And he says, no, I think you've been drinking your bath water. You know, I... I don't think that's right. And so he grabbed him. This is not my um, suggestion for evangelism. But he grabs his friend, kicks him in the house, throws him in chairs. You're going to accept Jesus. He says, well, why didn't you tell me that you really cared about it? <laughs> Here's the thing about that story I want you to understand. It was all real. It was all natural. And it wasn't a planned program. It was a heart for his friend. He wanted to tell Jesus to his friend. He wanted his friend to receive the same blessing he received. And when we do evangelism by what I call the natural way, as opposed to a planned way, it's more, far more effective. So I'm going to go through some things that may help you understand this better. Number one, who really saves? This, this is simple. <laughs> it's Jesus who saves us, right? And he works through his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convinces and that uh, the person of their sin, they confess their sin, and they're brought into a new life with Jesus Christ and born again. But we sometimes forget that that's the work of God, not the work of us. We're not the one who saves anybody. We may be part of the process, but we're certainly not the one who saves people. And we don't win them. We don't win people to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does that. In Acts, the church is beginning. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You'll receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses. So what we are is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We're a witness of what he's done in our life. The greatest witness you have is your own personal testimony. If it didn't change your life, you're not going to have much effect because it has to be something that's happened to you. It needs to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that has benefited you in many ways. Number one, we're witnesses. So the question isn't, do we witness? The question is, you do witness. I've seen you go by me in the freeway. No, no I think that was me going by. <laughs> but wherever you go, whatever you say, whatever you do, you are being a witness. <laughs> uh, Denise will say to me every once in a while, don't honk at that person. They may be in church next Sunday. I said, well, then I'll tell them. <laughs> That's true. It's the work of God. It's the work of God. We're just part of the process. In John chapter 6, verse 29, it says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Now, now watch this very carefully. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. To believe in Jesus is the work of God. It's not the work of us. It's what God's, God working in them. God's doing a work in them. And what Jesus said was, look, the fields are white unto harvest. In other words, there's lots and lots of people who need to know the Lord. And he says, pray that there be more workers who will go out and water, seed, plant seed, water, and, and reap. Reap the harvest. Because God does the work. It's God's work that they believe. That's God's work to have them believe. So it's not a matter of you coming up with some great argument. And people have spent hours upon hours arguing with somebody, you know, about different things. Well, what about evolution? What about this? What about that? That doesn't do any good. They're, they're, they're arguments. What we're looking for is when God sends us to bring somebody to himself. And I, and I mean that. He sends us. Remember the Ethiopian on the road and, and Philip was taken to, uh, to bring him to the Lord? But he was already reading the word. He was already ripe. God had already been working in his life. And Philip was just part of the process. That's how it's the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world when God's already done the work and we're just being there to facilitate, you know? That's, that's what's going on. In John 6, same chapter, later on. He says, no one can come to, to me unless the Father who sent me 
draws him. No one's coming to me unless the Father draws them. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was my great argument. I thought it was my great plan. I mean, I got this great little booklet. I mean, I read this deal here. I prepared. I did all this stuff. I got all this stuff together. I thought it was me who was drawing them. I thought my being friends with them and, you know, and taking care of them to, to, uh, to, to you know, prepare the way for them to accept the Lord, that I was the one drawing them. Not you. God does the work. He is the one who brings them to belief in himself. We're merely his ambassadors. We're merely his representatives. We're merely the ones who are to have an answer for the hope that lies within us. We're not the ones to orchestrate, organize, or try to make things happen. Now, there are those who are gifted with the gift of evangelism. There are evangelists, and there's a gift of evangelism. And a great evangelist that we all know is Billy Graham. And Billy Graham would fill a stadium, and he would speak, and literally hundreds would come down to receive Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you what the work was done by. It was done by God. He was just a focal point. He was just one that they came to hear because God drew them there. And you can talk to people, I don't know exactly why I went, but I just went. And next thing I know, I was, and you hear this all the time. Next thing I know, I'm walking forward to receive Jesus. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. Because God drawing them. I used to tell this story, the joke that when I first went down to the church in Orange and there were, you know, 15 people there. And uh, that I had memorized one of Billy Graham's sermons. And everything was going great till I got to the end when I said, hundreds of people are coming from all over this great auditorium. You who are watching by air, make your way forward. We have some of the same literature we're going to give you. You know, I went, I lost them there because there was 15 people. And there weren't hundreds of people coming from anywhere. But that's God's draw. And you talk to people, and you'll find out if they really studied the situation, they had a strange drawing. There was something that was driving them. And it wasn't you. It was the Lord. So once we understand the concepts of God doing a work, and we participating in it when he calls us to do so. It's his work. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he's already prepared in advance for us to do. He's got work he wants us to do. It's to be ready and on call so that when he says, now you're ready. He's going to do the work. You're going to participate in it. And all the glory goes to who? I, I, I really have a hard time with people say, well, I've led 200 people to the Lord. Keep a little track on my belt here. I said, boy. 
You didn't lead anybody to the Lord. God did it, and you're taking credit for it. That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. So we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the things that he's got prepared for us. Do anybody understand something about God preparing the way? That he's preparing the hearts? So that when we do what we do, they're responding to what God's already doing? That's evangelism, not just trying to convince somebody of anything. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. So it needs to be real. And we need to have a love for the Lord. Now, I was privileged to be around during one of the great movements, revivals in America. I'm not talking about Billy Sunday. I'm, I'm talking about the Jesus People Movement. And there was something about that that I haven't been able to see for a long time. And that is people excited about what God had done in their lives. And they couldn't keep quiet about it. They couldn't keep quiet about it. They would single each, uh, you know, just, I grew up in Orange County where it was very, very strong. And you'd single one way, pointing to Jesus. And people would do that all the time. They put fishes on the back of their cars. They would be talking about the Lord's return. They'd be talking about the Bible study they went to or the concert they went to that was a Christian concert. They'd talk about how Jesus changed their life. They were smiling. They were, they were full of love and joy. And they shared what was happening in their lives. It exploded because people know what's real and what's not. And when you come across pious come across trained, in a sense, that you're just trying to proselyte them. They know it. But when something's genuine and you say, man, can't believe what God did in my life. You, I, he just changed it. I've never felt so good in my entire life. God changed my life. Jesus made a way. And it entered into their language, it entered into their being, and it was all natural. It wasn't forced. That is natural witnessing. That's when you've got the enthusiasm of the Lord. How do you get that? Well, I think Jesus said it best. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love him with everything you've got. Love the Lord. Sometimes the Lord has just become a ticket out of hell. I got saved, now I don't have to worry about burning, so now I'll just sit back and go to church and sing the songs and meet the people, and then I'll just live my life, and on I go. That's not a love for the Lord. A love for the Lord means you can hardly wait to spend time with him and his family, which is sitting around you right now. 
There's an enthusiasm that comes in verse 118, excuse me, 1-8, you shall receive dunamis power. The Holy Spirit gives us this enthusiasm. In Acts 4-30, they, they prayed for boldness, not from them, but from the Lord, that the Lord would give them boldness to speak out because they were being persecuted for sharing. Didn't stop them. When you're excited about something, you talk about it. I used to do youth, and uh, I'd say to them, and this is back in my day, so put it in context. I said, if you got a brand new Corvette, would you park it a mile from school and walk and never tell anybody? Or do you come into that parking lot about 80 miles an hour and, <laughs> and let everybody in the world know you have a Corvette? And they're going to know how many horsepower it has. They're going to know all about that. And you're excited about what you got. And, and now I, I'm male-oriented, so I, I try to come up with something female-oriented. I don't do good at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, wish I, I really wish I understood women better. But, but if you got a brand-new dress and hairdo, and you went to school and nobody said anything about it, that'd bother you. I think that's what they told me. <laughs> Maybe that's not true. How about shoes and a purse? I don't know. <laughs> but if you, yes, okay. Some of you like cars. That's good. The point is, some that you're enthusiastic about, you talk about. Now let's talk about what I like to talk about. Restaurants. <laughs> Do you know a good restaurant? Yes. It's this one. And people are very good about pushing the restaurant that they like. It's really, really good. They have no problem talking about it at all. It's not like they have to go through some process, memorize some things, so they can come and tell you, this restaurant's for you. Because A, B, C, D, E. Do you want to go? That's not the way it works. It's the enthusiasm that's in the heart that comes out naturally. You got to go here. It's unbelievable. They have huge portions or they have small portions, whichever's better for you. Whatever it is, you're enthusiastic about it, you're going to talk about it. If I ask somebody about a ball team, you're going to find out what ball team they like and they're into it. They can tell you all kinds of stuff. Talk about tennis, I can talk about sports and any type of thing. Talk about boating, talk about fishing, talk about hunting, talk about anything that you really, really love. Camping. <laughs> hiking. <laughs> you see how David couldn't stop talking about it a week ago. <laughs> Whatever your heart is in, you're going to talk about it. And the Bible says that exact same thing. It says, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. And Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceeded out of the mouth come from the heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and you speak from your heart. And when you speak from your heart, people see that. 
It has a powerful impact. So speak from your heart. I love the Lord. I can't tell you all the benefits he has. Does that mean everything's perfect? Does it mean you're tiptoeing through the tulips? No. Not at all. It means you have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You have something nobody else understands how you can have it in that situation. How can you have peace in the turmoil? How can you have joy through trial? James says, count all joy when you go through various trials. When I first read that verse and I was pumping a tire on the side of the road, I've, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Yeah, but that came later. You do have joy, unspeakable joy. You do have peace, not as the world gives, but as Jesus gives. You have all these things that come with knowing the Lord. When you go through the waters, he's with you. When you go through the fire, he's with you. When you go through trial, he's with you. The Lord is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for every rod and his staff they comfort me. You have those things that nobody else has, and you have a hope. And this world is not our home. we got a place prepared for us that we can't even describe because the scripture says we can't even think or imagine how great a place God has prepared for those who love him. We have those things. So if our heart is with the Lord and we speak from our heart, people will listen. And God will set the thing up that they're going to come to him anyway because he's already in the process of drawing them. The Greek word really gets a stronger word than that. It's like compelling. Compelling them to come. So God's doing the work. We just need to be ready. We need to have a heart and love for God that is transparent, that we share. Don't hide your light under a bush. Let it shine before people. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Speak, people speak about the things that have impacted them the most. Now, I'm going to give you some, what David says, practical steps. Make sure you tell them what steps to take when you get to the end. Do you like that part, the end? Here's what I'm going to say. Begin with a heart of love for what God has done for you. Really learn to be grateful. Think about where would you be if you hadn't met Jesus? What kind of condition would you be in if you didn't know the Lord? And then you start beginning to realize you count, begin to count your blessings. Name them one by one. And you'll see what the Lord has done. Start counting what God's done in your life. 
Start remembering those things. Start getting to the point where you can be truly grateful and thankful. There have been times in the car, there was a song that was, I'm so unworthy, the least of your favor. And I'd sing that with tears coming down my eyes. Because I don't deserve to be saved. But God saved me. He reached down and saved me. He pulled me out of the miry clays, it says. Set my feet upon a rock. He cleansed me. He cleaned me. He did so much by his grace in full measure. I am so grateful to the Lord for what he's done. And when you get to that point that you're full of gratefulness to the Lord, it's going to change your whole atmosphere, your whole life. Pray that God will inspire and empower you to the work to do what he has for you. Pray that God will inspire you And there's, there's, there's that inspiration and empowerment by the Holy Spirit, which is hard to understand or describe. I hope that you've all experienced that in one form or another. When God has filled you with joy or, or love or whatever it is, and you just are inspired to serve him even more. Used to, when you were teenagers, it used to happen at camp. Spent a whole week at camp with no outside influence. No radios, no CDs, no iPhones. We didn't have iPhones back then. Nothing. And after you spent a whole week with the Lord, you were ready to get on fire to do whatever. I was going to evangelize my whole school. I just got inspired. Pray for inspiration. And pray for empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Do not try to do anything in your own strength. Do not run before God. Wait upon the Lord. And that was it say when you wait upon the Lord. You shall renew your strength. What do you have to do first? Wait. Wait upon the Lord. And wait for him to empower you and inspire you. And be sensitive then. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in his leading. You may be someplace and, and God will say to you, go talk to that person. If God tells you to go talk to them, Understand he's already prepared the way for you. You'll be surprised what happens. I'm not talking about pick somebody and then just go. That's called confrontational evangelism. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you are sitting there and God moves in your heart and you're going, I'm supposed to go talk to that person. And you feel very uncomfortable. That's not who I am, so forth and so on. But when God speaks... It means he's already prepared the way. And what will happen is what God already has in mind because he's already working in that person. Pray that God will send you 
to do his work. One of the greatest joys there has been is when people come to Jesus. It's, it's absolutely marvelous. I get really excited. I still, to this day, get excited when somebody comes to Jesus. I'm not the only one. You know what it says in the Bible? Party! In heaven, there's a party. It says the angels are rejoicing over everyone who comes to Jesus. They throw a party. That's pretty cool. And I, I have a sense of what that's all about because it's such a joy to see somebody come to know Jesus. Even though I know I had nothing to do with it except be available for what God had me in the process. But I love it. I told you, some of you before, that we, the church down there in Orange, we, we prayed around the property, dedicated to the Lord, and a young man was walking down the sidewalk, and he hit the front of the property, and he got about three steps in, fell to his knees, accepted Jesus, and then came over to the parsonage to tell me what he'd done. This was an interesting conversation. Hello, are you the pastor? Who wants to know? No, I didn't, I didn't, say, I didn't say that. He said, I was walking down the property and God grabbed my heart and he's been working on me and I know that I needed him. I knelt down right on the sidewalk and prayed for God to forgive me, accept him into my life as Savior and Lord. And he told me to come and tell you. That was a hard one. I really worked at that one. Yeah, another notch on my belt. I'll let another person to Jesus. I'm just telling you, God does the work. And we're the recipients because we're where we're supposed to be at the time we're supposed to be and we're ready to do the work of the Lord. Now, you notice there's a, on that back wall, there is a verse. It says, go into all the world and make converts. Is that what it says? What does it say? Make disciples. And there's a whole lot of difference between a convert, somebody who believes in Jesus, and a disciple of Jesus. So the first step is when they come to know the Lord. The second step is you immediately get them involved in becoming a Christ follower. They got to be in a church. This is what Billy Graham found out. Of all the regrets he had, he said the greatest regret he's had was that when he first started doing crusades, he didn't have a follow-up program. He just, he just let them find the Lord and they kind of wandered. So after that, he developed a whole thing where church has got the names of the people who got saved and they were to follow up on them because they need to be discipled. So remember that that's only the first step. God may have some more in store for you. Be said to the Holy Spirit's leading because he will lead you. He will open the doors. He'll put it on your heart and you will see his work done his way and you'll glory in it. You'll be totally unbelievable. That person never cared about anything. How come you happened to talk about that that day? 
I can tell you. Beware of the opportunity to be a witness. That's part of the sentiment of the Holy Spirit. But beware all the time. Tell yourself, there's an opportunity that God has for me. Hear my, send me. I'm ready. Now, when I say that, that requires something. That requires the preparation of your heart. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Since we live in a body of death, and since we have an enemy who's walking around like a roaring lion whom we may devour, and since Satan is constantly tempting and trying to draw you away from the Lord, sometimes we do. And so there's a cleansing process. If I go out and pull weeds, I, ha- I found out Denise makes me wash my hands before I eat. You understand, you understand that when you're in the dirt, you get dirty, but you don't have to stay that way? Is this a new concept for anybody? <laughs> you know what a shower is? We get dirty, and we need to be cleansed. And in order to be prepared for God, we need to be cleansed. And that may happen several times during the day, depending on how far you commute. It can happen any time during the day. And you just need to cleanse yourself because you want to be prepared for what God has for you. You want to be ready for when he calls, you're ready to go. And that means... Cleanse my heart, O oh God. Look into my heart, see if there any wicked way in me. And I confess before you when I've fallen. Forgive me and prepare me for ministry. If you went into have surgery, and the guy says, Well, these things just fell on the ground, but it's okay. I mean, got kicked around a little bit. It's all right. We'll just use them anyway. Would you think that that was a good idea? If you do, see me afterwards. You want purified, cleansed, clean, pristine instruments. That's what we need to be. We need to be freed from any unrighteousness. Only one way to have that happen is first John one night. And we've got to be prepared to do that as often as is necessary. Pray every time you sense the Holy Spirit reminding you to cleanse and prepare your heart. Every time the Holy Spirit's tugging on you. And if you if you ask God to cleanse your heart and to see if there be any wicked way in you, you the Holy Spirit will respond. But you can also do this. I don't want to know. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can keep it from happening. But every time the Spirit says, hey, Joe, you need to take care of this. Take care of it then, now, 
and get it done. And you'll be ready for God's work. Be looking for the opportunity with an expectant heart. In other words, assume God has a work for you because he does. Just be expecting. It's like, what do I get to do now? What do you have for me today, Lord? What is it? Is it sending a card to so-and-so because you put them on my heart? Is it praying for a person because you put them on my heart? What is it that you have for me to do today? Am I part of the planting process? Am I part of the watering process? Or am I reaping today? Just tell me where I'm working and I'll be glad to do it. Just be ready and expecting God will use you. If you're expecting God will use you, he will. Because he knows you're ready and your heart's ready. Remember God does the work or just the messenger he's using. If you knew you couldn't fail, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do for Jesus? Whatever he asks. He does he has no joy in seeing you fail. He has joy in having his will completed. He has joy in people coming to him who are being drawn by him and he's given them the opportunity to believe in him and be saved and their lives change and their countenance changes. I'm going to tell this last story. Early on in my pastorate, I had a couple common. She was Jewish and he was atheist almost, I guess. They wanted to get married. They wanted to get married in a church. Then I checked with a lot of my pastor friends and they say, I won't marry anybody who aren't believers. So I went to the Lord and says, well, Lord, do you think I should not marry them? And God said, no, I don't think that. I think you should be a witness to them. I think you should love them as I love them. I said, okay. So I married them. And I made this statement, which I said to everybody I've ever married. I said to my wife, who I'm, she's the only one I've ever married, but no, I'm talking about, no. I said, if, if you have problems in the future, oftentimes a third party can understand what's going on. I'm not going to go into the whole counseling session, but a third party can understand better. And she said, you need to come, come see me. I'm the one who's who is performing the ceremony for you, come see me if you have problems. About six months later, in they come. And they come into the office and I sit down. This is the exact words he said. Can you fix her? <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I said, can I fix her? Yeah, she's not happy. I looked at her, and she was totally distraught. I looked, took one look at her, and God says, now. I said, you want to have Jesus cleanse, clean, and free you. 
She said, yes, I do. And she accepted the Lord. Now, we're all done. He's still, you know, romancing the stone. He was the stone. And we come out of the, the office and she goes, oh, it's beautiful out here. It's really nice out. It was nice when she came in. But she couldn't see it. But when she, God freed her and made a new life for her, all of a sudden she was loving what she saw. He, Jesus Christ changed her. Changed her countenance, changed her attitude, changed her life. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's fantastic to watch and see. Be ready when he calls. Be prepared for when he calls. Pray and expect for when he calls. And you'll find it all happens naturally. It's not hard. It's not hard. Because God does all the work. <laughs>